Now we have our Bible reading this morning. It is from Corinthians 14. First Corinthians 14 and it's the whole chapter. It's entitled Prophecy and Tongues. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. Now brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager to manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say Amen? To your thanksgiving, when he does not know what you are saying. For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, By people of strange tongues, and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people. And even then they will not listen to me, 
says the Lord. Thus tongues are a sign not for believers but for unbelievers. For prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers but for believers. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophecy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. What then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two, or at the most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church, and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission. As the law also says, if there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are you the only ones it has reached? If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognise this, he is not recognised. So my brothers, earnestly desire prophecy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. But all things should be done decently and in order. May God bless the reading of his word. Our text was from 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33. Just these words, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. And our topic this morning, God is a God of order and not of chaos. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, not many people like chaos or thrive on chaos. Chaos is the opposite of order. It's a state of confusion, what the Bible talks about. And sometimes our life can feel chaotic. It's not only our houses on a Monday morning when the children were not at school for the weekend or when the grandchildren visited. There can be chaos in the traffic, 
on our way to work. There can be chaos in our finances when we spend too much on that thing that we didn't really need. It can be chaos in your marriage when the fear of abandonment combined with intense conditions can make your, ma seem, make your marriage seem chaotic and unstable. It can be chaos at your work when people make plans, your colleagues, but the plans are always changing. Then it feels if your life falls apart. What should we do when there's chaos in your life? When things are not going to plan. The Bible directs us to the Lord and reveals His character. Our God is a God of order who does all things well. God is not a God of disorder but of peace. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 33 With God disorder and chaos always give way to order and peace. And this is also in the life of a congregation. We must ask what was happening in this congregation in Corinth. And it's easy to read that there was some unruly behavior by those who were speaking in tongues. And in chapter 12, Paul already declared that the highest gift is not a speaking of tongues or prophesying, but believing in Jesus, confessing Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And you can only do this through the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 is free, Paul said. Therefore I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. This is the greater gift. And now in our passage in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 20, Paul urges the congregation to be mature in their thinking. Speaking in tongues should be in intelligible or understandable language. Then it has a purpose to preach the gospel, to understand the gospel. Otherwise, it should begin and end with the speaker. Sorry about this. It should begin and spend, end with the speaker. Uninterrupted tongue speaking has no place in the church, Paul says. And everything should be done so that the church is built up. And the church are the people, the people of the Lord. And he also urged them to think of the outsider, the visitor, verses 21 to 25, that visit your congregation. If all the visitors hears is a babble of tongues, he will conclude that the meaning of believers is little different from cults, where people raved in unintelligible languages. And speaking in tongues will then be a sign of unbelief. Because this is what the unbelievers did in the heathen temples. And for the unbeliever or the visitor, this will be a sign of judgment. 
whenever a visitor hears the word of a prophecy. And with this is meant the preaching of God's word, they will be encouraged. They will be convicted by all and called to account by all. Verse 25, the secrets of his hearts are disclosed, and so falling in his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. That's the testimony of a congregation. And this is also the affirmation of the centrality of God's word in the worship service. That the Lord still calls and brings people to his church. And despite all efforts and the programs for evangelism, and it should be there, the gathered congregation as we meet today in its life in ministry remains the most important power of the church for reaching the outsider. Paul explained this in Romans 10 verse 7. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. When the word of God is powerfully preached and exposed, the visitor will declare that God is really among you. Verse 25 of our Bible reading. But this congregation in Corinth had even more unruly behavior than speaking in tongues. We read in the next verses. There was chaos in this congregation. In verse 26, Paul gave us a window in how the congregation met on a Sunday. Each one had a hymn. Each one had a lesson. A revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. And Paul was seeking to insist on some order in what appeared to be a church that was getting out of hand. He limited tongue speakers to two or three. He must speak in turn, verse 27. There should always be an interpreter. Remember, that was a recognized language so that the gospel could be preached. Verses 30 to 16. And uninterpreted tongues were not permitted. Prophesying was also restricted to two or three, with the remaining prophets being silent. We read about a concerned apostle in 1 Corinthians 14. There was indeed chaos in this congregation's worship service. But we also learn about Paul's pastoral sensitivity. Paul also teaches the better way, the way of love, 1 Corinthians 13. And then he directs them to the Lord in his words. Remember, Paul said, who you worship. Remember why you are gathering here on a Sunday morning. You are worshiping the Lord. And God is not a God of confusion, but of order and peace. And so Paul directs them to the word of the Lord and to the gospel of peace. Why is God a God of order? In the beginning, God started with a world that was formless and empty. The earth was in a chaotic state. 
But then God brought order in a series of notable divisions. He divided the darkness from the light. Genesis 1 verse 4. He divided the water under the firmament from the water over the firmament. Genesis 1 verse 7. He divided the sea from the dry land. Genesis 1 verse 9. He made all plants and animals to multiply according to their kinds. Genesis 1 verse 11 to 12, 20 to 25. He created man, kind, with an orderly distinction between male and female. That's how he made us. Genesis 1 verse 27. And God placed the first man, Adam, in the Garden of Eden with the command to work and take care of it. In other words, God wanted Adam to maintain order in the creation. God's being in nature is one of order. But then sin came. Through the disobedience of Adam and Eve in the garden, and chaos started to rule. The curse of sin is death. And the consequences of sin would be according to Genesis 3 verse 17. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall, shall eat of, all, of it all the days of your lives. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it were you taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And our relationship with God became chaotic, confusion. As did the very nature of who we are, people who missed their purpose to glorify the Lord. And chaos followed right through the existence of man. Life had turned into a painful existence in a hostile, cursed world. The blessed world of paradise had turned into chaos. Not original chaos of Genesis 1 verse 2, but now an evil, chaotic world struggles between animal and animal, animals and humans, between husband and wife, Genesis 3 verse 12 and 16. Between nature and human. Genesis 3 verse 17 to 19. And humans and God. Genesis 3 verse 8 to 10, 12, 22 to 24. And humans started to rebel against God. Did everything to be disobedient. With God's command to be fruitful and multiply, they thought they knew a better way to survive in a hostile environment. They would seek their security not in God, but in their own strength. And more chaos followed. Chaos follows when you do not obey the Lord. The murder of brother against brother, Cain and Abel. Wickedness of man rose up before the Lord. 
until the Lord brought a flood where God, again through chaos, restored order. That's what a flood was. Human wickedness had spoiled God's good creation so thoroughly that God decided to allow a chaotic flood to clean up His creation. Killing all but a remnant in the ark with the righteous Noah. But then after that, human beings created a tower of Babel to be disobedient to the Lord again. Still believing the lie of Satan, you can be like, the, like God. And under the leadership of the mighty fighter Nimrod, they wanted to build a tower so high as to challenge the Lord. But the Lord dispersed him. Made him speak all different languages. And through confusion came order and obedience. And if you read the Bible, you see that, that the Lord maintained order right through the Bible. When Israel was trapped in the chaos of slavery in Egypt, the Lord provided Moses to free them. And with the flood, and as with the flood, the sovereign Lord used the chaotic waters of the Red Sea to save his people, Israel, from the chaos of slavery in Egypt to defeat the enemy. This is so rich that you can probably take a few lines into the covenant as well. The Lord provided order with his law. This is how you should serve me. The Lord already gave to Moses, declared his love to his people, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. And because God is a God of order and peace, he did not leave man in this chaotic state. He already promised in Genesis 3 verse 15, I will put... <coughs> in, in, in enmity between you and the, the women, between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head, you shall bruise his heel. And God promised one to bring reconciliation, one to destroy the fire of chaos and rebellion, and this was the snake, Satan. Because chaos is rebellion as well. The real enemy behind chaos and confusion was Satan. And Satan's oldest trick is to divide and conquer. Satan is the source and the author of chaos. And he constantly looks for a way to creep into people's hearts. Deceive them into believing in lies instead of the truth. And his primary purpose is to kill and destroy. John 10 verse 10. And he came in his rebellion and chaos to Eve and not to Adam question God's order, God's creation order. But God in His limitless love restored order and peace with His Son, Jesus Christ, who brought reconciliation and peace between Him and us. And the Lord also destroyed Satan, and Satan was thrown out of heaven. Why did Satan come to earth? He came why did the Son come to earth? He came to the benefit of lost sinners, you and me. And God did not leave us in this state of death and chaos as it was in paradise after the fall. But God sent His Son to save me, to die for my sins, to trample on the snake's head. 
and God who does not change, there in Bethlehem, what he promised to do many years prior in Genesis 3, to me in my particular circumstances, and with my particular strength and weaknesses, he has given Christ so that I might, might be brought back from Satan, so that I might be saved, the God of order. And this gospel is the gospel of um, order and peace, but also called the gospel of peace because Jesus is the Lord of peace. Isaiah, there was prophesied about the peace our Lord would bring, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And we have peace in Jesus Christ. Because with his suffering, he saved us from eternal damnation. He conquered death and Satan and earned eternal peace for God's children. And in Jesus, God's order was restored. Therefore, he's the second Adam. I'm preaching about this tonight. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 21 to 22 Paul explained, for as by man came death, by man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as an Adam all die, so also in Christ shall be made alive. Christ also conquered the enemy, the last enemy, death. He's risen. And because God is a God of order and peace, we need to bend on the ease of it. That was Paul's reasoning. And now Paul also addressed the topic, which was quite controversial, already in Paul's time, but even more controversial today. Verses 34 to 36. The women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says, if there's anything they desire to learn, let him ask their husbands at home. For it's shameful for a woman to speak in church. This was an issue that Paul addressed in 1 Corinthians 11 already. Paul made it clear in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 3, But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is a husband, and the head of Christ is God. And so Paul Establish a foundation for his teaching. Simply put, Paul made it clear that God has, has established principles of order, authority, and accountability from husband and wife. And Paul described free headship relationship, that Jesus is the head of every man. The man is the head of the woman, and God the Father is the head of Christ. Because Paul connected these three relationships. The principle of headships are the same among them. It means that in any relationship there should be order. There should be a leader. Without a leader, chaos sets in. Without a leader of a nation, it spells disaster. And so too is a family without a head. And chaos sets in when we disobey the order that God prescribed in His Word. This is also the chaos in relationship. The same chaos 
that happened in Genesis 3 when man rebelled against God his maker. And one of the sad consequences was this harmony in the marriage relationship where husbands wanted to dominate their wives and wives their husbands. And this is the context where Paul said that women should keep silent. For they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission as the law also says. And behind this all, Paul wanted the congregation of Corinth and our congregation to know how to serve the Lord, to know who the Lord is. And he did this by explaining that God is a God of order and peace. God is not served when a worship service is dominated by the babble of tongues. The oracles of many prophets and wives breaking the silence by calling out to their husbands the whole time. Such chaos did not reflect the character of God of order and peace with those they were meeting, and it did not lead to their upbuilding. And their behavior brought disrespute and disunity and did not promote the gospel to the outsider or visitor. So that the outsider or visitor said, these people are from the Lord. No, said Paul, he reminded them that a word came from God, verse 36. Through the word they have received salvation and through the word and obedience to the word they will continue as a church. Therefore everything should be done decently and in order. Verse 14. 1 Corinthians 14 teaches us how the Lord wants to be served. That the word of God should be central in the worship, the preaching, the sacraments, and our confessions. That our worship must testify to the peace and order that characterize our Creator Himself. Peace, our Lord Jesus Christ, order God's character. This is why we have an order of worship. Have elders to oversee that everything is done orderly and according to the word of God. So that there can be order. With Christ as Savior and with the power of the Spirit and living word, we can perform this calling. (coughs) Jesus is risen and he lives. He created new life in us for his spirit. And he restored the order. He is the living and the life-giving. And this is confirmed by God and his spirit himself. And he must become more and we less in the worship service. For his spirit, we receive the grace to grow because we are precious to him. And we as a church should proclaim his order and peace. That only in God there is order. Only in Jesus there is peace reconciliation. And as the Lord brings people to faith, He pours out His love, which brings harmony and not dissension. Order. Dissension is chaos. Properly ordered worship and church life proclaim this truth, present God to the world as He is, a God of peace and order. And then the congregation is bringing glory to the Lord. Prayer to history. Many people have thought that uncontrolled spontaneity in worship and other aspects of the church life and ministry is the best testimony to the Holy Spirit and the work of God. Paul's teaching in 1 Corinthians 14 demonstrates the falseness of this view. 
That's the first thing that the reformers did. They gave an order of worship. Brought order. Brought the congregations back to the word. And so our worship must testify to the peace and order that characterize our creator himself. We must do this through the word of God. Brings us back to our own lives now. Is your life chaotic? Dan says, yes, seek the Lord of order and peace. 1 Corinthians 15, this evening. Our Lord Jesus Christ who brought order and destroyed the enemy of death. Seek Jesus, the gospel of peace, and serve God as he wants to be served. He's the only one that can restore order and bring, pe bring peace. It is he who calls, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from, from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Amen. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words, the teaching of your words that so clearly explains who you are and how we should be as your children and that you are not a God of confusion but a God of order. This is how you brought order to the creation. But we always seek the confusion through our sinful minds and hearts. But in your love, you brought reconciliation through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that we will love the order that you have brought, the order of your words, the order through creation, and the reconciliation of your Son, who also destroyed death where chaos sits in. Our Lord Jesus Christ destroyed the last enemy, death, so that we don't have to fear anything anymore, so that we can have order and peace. Father, we pray that you will bless us today. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, Amen.